Good evening, dear friends. Uh, tonight is Tuesday, February 7th, 2023, which still doesn't feel like a real year, but <laughs> it's what we got. And uh, we're here at the Open Way Mindfulness Center in Missoula. And our talk tonight is about um, this kind of interplay between going inside and connecting outside. Um, how our practice can draw us uh, into ourselves, into our experience, into our awareness, uh, while at the same time uh, allowing our awareness and, uh, and attention to uh, spill out and connect with what's around us. And, this was really brought home to me the other day when I was visiting with a patient in the hospital. And the person said, you know, there's angels all around us all the time. And my immediate thought was, oh, this person's just talking about the nurses and CNAs, <laughs> which really do uh, angelic work. Uh, but I was curious because I felt like there might be something more. So I said, what do you mean by that? And or tell, I think I said, tell me more about that. And, and they said, well, you know, when you're having a really hard day and suddenly this dog just comes up to you and uh, puts its face near you and you want to pet it. And, and then all of a sudden, some of the hard stuff just goes away for a moment. And, I started getting excited and I said, oh yeah, and, and bird song. And without hesitation, the person said, or a leaf. And I was just, oh, that is not where I thought they were going with that. Uh, I said, I really connected. I said, we, I didn't say this, but inside I said, I know what those angels are. In our tradition, we just call them bells of mindfulness, uh, things that bring us back into the present moment. Um, and I was really touched by that person's experience, um, partly because it's something that we work to cultivate here in our practice, uh, coming back to the beautiful things that are around us, that are inside of us uh, at any given moment. And it doesn't make the, um, maybe the pain that we carry with us go away, but it puts it into a different context. We have that, um, we realize that there's other things that are happening around us that we can connect to. Um, I'm sure like a lot of you have been really troubled uh, by so much of the news that uh, we've been hearing recently. There's so much violence, uh, gun violence. Um, it was the recent uh, beating to death of a person by the police. And sometimes it's hard to find those angels or those bells of mindfulness. Um, those things come in uh, into my awareness and into my consciousness 
and they just fill it uh, completely. It's almost like, uh, um, you know, when you take an object and you put it right in front of your face, and that's all you can see. And um, I've been working a lot with that practice of um, that we are doing with our meditation today, uh, this evening of just allowing the difficulty to be difficult, allowing the horrible stories to be horrible. Um, I was talking uh, before our um, before our evening uh, with some of our uh, people who are leading practice and. Uh, was mentioning that I have some pretty severe tooth pain at the moment and um, uh, luckily I get to get to the dentist tomorrow to find out what I need to do but uh, last night when I was going to sleep um, uh, having the pain and not knowing what was happening I was really really anxious um, like, oh, what are they going to do? How much is this going to cost? Am I going to have a big gap in the front of my mouth? <laughs> like, all of these things. Uh, and um, and I was sharing that, uh, oh, I know what to do with this. And, uh, and so I said, oh, I'm just going to breathe and, and relax and let it go. And it didn't work at all. Uh, <laughs> it just, uh, it was, it, it didn't, amp, but part of it felt like, oh my gosh, it's still there, and, and that tension kind of still emerged, and so I said, okay, I actually do know what to do with this. <laughs> um, I can't uh, kind of practice my way out of it. Uh, I can't, uh, um, can't change the channel <laughs> and do something else and, and let it go. So I did uh, what we're taught to do, which is, okay, what is this experience like? What is this um, uh, panic or anxiety or stress? What is this experience like? like well, it's awful. It's uncomfortable. Uh, my heart's going really fast. Uh, I feel fidgety. My limbs have kind of tingling in them and uh, kind of want to move and just I just kept looking at it, just kept watching it. And what that did was it got me out of my head because uh, the story was what was um, activating all the what's going to happen, all the what's it going to cost, um, am I going to whistle when I talk, and all of those things. Um, <laughs> and um, so that was the first thing, it just got me out of, out of my head. And even though it was an unpleasant experience, it was what the experience was. And I was able to just watch it, just be with it, and not try to get rid of it, which is what I was trying to do. That was the, the first attempt. And The interesting thing was that after a couple of minutes, I was asleep. And by just embracing the difficulty, put it a little bit into 
into uh, a, a larger context. And the, um, the same practice applies to these horrible things that I'm reading about or experiencing. I have to check in with my body and say, okay, what am I experiencing? And then it can, um, it can be part of something bigger. It's, it's like taking whatever that object in front of your face is and just putting it out a little bit. It's like, oh, yeah, you're all here. <laughs> you know, there's, there's this experience. Um, this is still here. Uh, but there's all those little bells of mindfulness uh, that are around. It's interesting because even after all these years, I still try to use the practice to manipulate my experience. Still do it. It's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And how interesting that the minute I stopped doing that, uh, very quickly my body was able to let go and I was able to fall asleep or I was able to uh, touch something else other than that uh, immense suffering. And in um, the discourse that we'll look at next week, uh, the discourse on knowing the better way to live alone. Uh, it comes, um, there's a companion sutra where there's actually a, a, a monk who likes to do everything in solitude. He likes to sit by himself, he likes to go begging by himself, he likes to eat by himself, everything, just alone. And, uh, and the Buddha talked to him about it and, and said, um, I hear you like to do everything alone. He's like, yes, I do. And he said, well, let me, that's okay. That's not a bad practice. But let me tell you, there's a better way to be alone. And it took me a long time to understand what that meant by the better way to be alone because the instructions for the better way to be alone is, um, we'll read it next week, but it says, do not lose yourself in the past. And do not worry about the future, but just be in the present moment. Um, paraphrased. Yeah. And he also reminds us to do it now. To do that right now. Yeah. He says tomorrow it could be too late to do it. So we have to do it today. Yeah. And I think why he says it's a better way to be alone is that when I have solitude, when I create a situation around me of solitude, um, I can control that environment so that uh, I don't have to read the news. I don't have to um, uh, worry about this thing or that thing, I can just uh, have this experience where I'm by myself, where um, uh, 
I can really practice with that, um, uh, letting things in, with that, uh, finding those bells of mindfulness. Uh, it's much harder to do uh, when you're with other people who are really unpredictable. <laughs> we don't know what people are bringing with them. We don't know if they have a toothache or, you know, just heard some terrible news or if um, they're really tired and ir irritable. Uh, and so, alone, the better way to be alone is actually about creating space um, to hold it all. Um, when I'm alone, that space can come into me. I can find it. So there is a benefit to solitary practice and solitude, uh, kind of finding that spaciousness and letting it in. But we also have to let it out. We also have to have it with us when we're not alone. Um, my uh, friend is the pastor at uh, one of the Lutheran churches. And, uh, we were talking about uh, spirituality and, and how so many people, uh, he got tired of people saying like, oh, my spirituality is on the mountaintop. And I agree with that. And he did too, actually. He wasn't tired of, of, um, of that idea, of that connection. What he was tired of is like, well, why don't you have that same experience in church, you know, when you're sitting next to the person who annoys you? Where's that? Uh, how can you let that in? So I, I like I, I think about that as kind of bringing the mountain top down into the valley yeah. with us, because um, that spaciousness um, really gives us um, the the sutra talks about freedom and stability. It gives us freedom to be with whatever we're with. Um, and it gives us stability in that moment uh, to be able to uh, to open up, to be wide, to have that wide aperture, uh, have our awareness let it, in, let it all in. And so in that sense, um, I feel like the, the Buddha is saying, bring the solitude into the group. <laughs> bring that experience of solitude, of being untroubled, of being at peace, of being, uh, well, free and stable. Bring that back into the community. Bring that back into uh, your engagement with other people. And that makes sense to me, why that might be a better way to be alone. And I appreciate, too, that the Buddha didn't uh, say that it's a bad thing, what he was doing. He said, that's a good thing. And here's something even better. Because we know that the Buddha 
uh, spent quite a bit of time alone. Uh, before he reached enlightenment, uh, he had been on a path of deep meditation and on a, on a later a path of deep asceticism, of uh, denial of uh, bodily needs and care. And, um, and he went off away from the people he practiced with and he went by himself for a week underneath the Bodhi tree uh, to discover, um, discover this path that he offered to us. But he was alone when he did that. He was in solitude. And he was at a crossroads at that point after he touched that deep, deep freedom and stability, that enlightenment, liberation, freedom. He could have just gone and lived by himself and just enjoyed the rest of his 40 or 50 years um, completely at peace. And, and so that was one path that was before him, but he chose to take that experience back into the community, back into uh, the people, to us. He chose to give it to us. Um, you might not have known about Missoula, Montana, uh, but, um, but he certainly uh, knows about practice. He knows about Sangha and uh, that experience. So when he spoke to that, uh, to that monk, he wasn't just speaking about... Um, you know, he wasn't just being clever, and he, he really knew what solitude meant and why it was important. So it was a, a powerful teaching uh, because it was born out of his own experience. <clears throat> and I find that this practice of really having the wide spaciousness um, that can take whatever is um, being offered, uh, whether it's pleasant or painful or, um, or neutral. And just like that patient talked about having that little flip of uh, seeing it as an angel, uh, as something that pulls us out of whatever story we're in. Um, that practice uh, is a real uh, gift to the world right now. Because it's very easy to find uh, tightness, to find uh, feeling very constrained and small, helpless, powerless. Heartbroken. And how powerful it is for a, a practitioner to let that heartbreak, that uh, powerlessness in, to really experience it, and to let it keep moving. Mm. 
sometimes I I wonder um, am I not heartbroken enough? <laughs> you know, am I not um, am I not distressed enough? <laughs> and it's easy to find ways to be more of <laughs> those things. <laughs> But I'm not convinced that finding more distress and heartbreak is uh, helpful. I'm not saying I avoid it. I'm just saying I'm not sure if um, creating more of it uh, is helpful. It's amazing in our lives that we can experience this real uh, devastation and in the next breath, you know, find that leaf that catches our eye and just, you know, opens us wide open. We can do both. As leading a a group uh, with uh, some teenagers and uh, they uh, it was a group on grief and one of my coworkers made this uh, ball a soccer ball with all its faces and put like a question on each of the facets and then we just toss it and catch it and you just read whatever's there and um, one of the one of the kids said uh, I really like this activity because it's like you read like who do you love who died? And then it's like, tell me your favorite joke. And, um, and those weren't actual quotes, but that was what the, the person said. And, and it just, for me, it was, it was such a great reminder of, of having all of these experiences, that, that it's okay to talk about who do you love who died. And then also it's okay to say what your favorite joke is. That both are all right. Um, and so what we do here is we really do bring that spaciousness uh, into our lives and into the lives of other people. Um, because every time that somebody uh, engages with us and they bring their suffering and we hold it and embrace it, we transform uh, their suffering with them because we transform it in ourselves. And that's why I love the meditation practice that we did tonight of really just that kind of open awareness of whatever's there, whatever's coming in. Uh, We can practice uh, kind of on the cushion in that, uh, I guess, sort of alone, even though we're all together, you know, we're inside, we're alone. Uh, And we're practicing just letting our breath be what it is, not controlling the breath, letting our feelings come and go, our thoughts. Uh, sometimes it's a torrent of thoughts and sometimes, you know, it's just little bubbles here and there. Uh, just letting them be what they are and um, practicing letting them move, letting them keep moving. Um, you know, we want to grab onto oh, the pain in the tooth or in the knee or 
that thought or memory. Mm. Just letting it move. And it's lovely to do that in the seated practice uh, and then to also get up and do it in our walking practice. Um, because then we can do it in our engaging with one another practice. We can do it engaging with our loved ones. Uh, we can do it engaging with um, devastating news. Um, we can do it with a bird song and a leaf. All of it. Um, it's a real. Uh, it's a real skill that we build to cultivate that spaciousness. Um, and so, sometimes, I think that the meditation practice that we're doing is we're doing that, you know, for our for just that, just for that meditation practice. And I lose sight of that. No, I'm, I'm doing this mindfulness practice, this awareness, this letting go, this um, allowing practice uh, in this kind of controlled environment. Well, first of all, it's really, I, I find it very lovely. <laughs> I enjoy it. Um, but, but also so that I can do it off of the cushion uh, in the next place that I am. Um, and so the more that I come back to the, to the cushion, um, the more I can bring it out. I used to have this, um, this experience that uh, um, that if I, I didn't sit on the cushion enough, uh, that I would start to be really irritable, kind of outside <coughs> of that. But really what it was is I wasn't touching that spaciousness. Um, I wasn't taking the time to touch it and um, I realized that oh it's not about the sitting it's about that ability to practice letting go and allowing uh, that I'm not doing so it's um, it's great that we have this time together to be able to work on these skills uh, so that we can bring them outside and I want to uh, close with a, an image that uh, Roshi uh, Joan Halifax shared about the Bodhisattva Kasidigarbha. Uh, Kasidigarbha is um, when we do our uh, sutra recitation next week, we'll read about this, this Bodhisattva, this enlightened being who. Um, goes into places of darkness and hell, but remains stable and solid. Um, when you, um, uh, well, so the image is that uh, Siddhigarbha carries one of the, the wandering uh, monk staffs in, uh, sometimes it's a he, sometimes it's a she. I, I connect to the uh, female embodiment. So she carries this staff um, you know, with the uh, rings on the top uh, that the wandering monks would carry. And she uh, goes up to the gates of hell and she raps on the door with this staff. And the gates open for her. And she just does mindful walking meditation through hell. 
But the image that uh, Roshi Jones shared is that she has these sleeves that uh, fall down to the floor. That, uh, as she walks, she has these sleeves. And any suffering being in hell that wants to can enter into her sleeves and be carried by her. But they have to choose. She doesn't scoop them up. But she's there uh, when they need her. And I just find that image so powerful, um, so helpful um, to choose to go into those places of darkness, of difficulty, of hell, whether it's a physical place or an emotional place or, um, or a remote place that we access uh, through media. But to remain stable and solid and to be there, uh, to carry any suffering beings that need uh, and desire your assistance. There's been many times where I've needed to jump in those sleeves uh, and be carried. And, uh, and that spaciousness that she brings into that place uh, can be a, a really beautiful image and reminder that we can carry with us when we need it. Uh, she can be there for us, just like we're here for one another. <laughs>